Lord, we give thanks to you this morning. You're God, you're awesome. No one is like you. Father, beyond and above expectation, the prophetic word of the resurrection came to pass when they rolled the stone over the tomb, not thinking that, Lord, your power will break open that grave. But it happened, Father, according to your word, after three days that Jesus rose from the dead. And we pray today, Lord, that that same resurrection power will fill the atmosphere of this worship. That same resurrection power will transform our lives to God and make us to be witnesses to you in the world. Father, Lord, as we present ourselves before you, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ to wash us holy spirit, soul, and body. That as we stand before you, O God, lifting up holy hands, the Lord, our worship will be accepted in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us today, and may your name be exalted. Father, we pray that each and every one of us will be energized by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that whatever we do will be accepted in your presence. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our first reading is from Acts 10, verses 34 to 43. Oh, and so this is uh, just after Peter meets Cornelius at his house. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And our second reading is Luke 24 verses 1 to 12. And it's entitled The Resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Thank you very much, um, Helene. Lovely reading. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we give thanks and praise to you this morning. We are so grateful, Lord, that your word has come back to us alive, breathing life into us. And so, Father, we pray you give us understanding as we reflect on these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 24, and we look at verse 5. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Good question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He is not here. He has risen. And so when I say Jesus Christ is risen, the answer is, He is risen indeed. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, I just want us to hold on to that particular statement. Christ is risen. You know, there have been arguments over the ages whether Christ even died. The Muslims will say, <laughs> you know, just at a point where Jesus was going to be crucified, someone else was put in his place. It wasn't Jesus. But no, it was. He was taken while he was with his disciples. The record of scripture, this is not a myth. It is history that is recorded of when Jesus was in agony. For those who have followed the story since Monday, Thursday. And I want to use this opportunity to thank Catherine and Jane and you know, others who helped to ensure that we had a wonderful feast on um, Thursday evening. If you didn't attend that uh, agape meal, you missed something because we had the opportunity of um, having unleavened bread. Oh, but Jane, did, um, Catherine, did add something to make it sweet. <laughs> it was a special unleavened bread, you know. So, but it's to say to you what that particular incident was. That Jesus Christ had prophesied. Even Peter was not happy to hear that. 
Peter rebuked Jesus at some point. Can you imagine that? Peter said, don't say this again. Because I was going to discourage people. People who wanted to follow Jesus will not want to hear that Jesus was going to be killed. And so say, stop this. Don't say this again. It's not good. I mean, if you have a hero and you are wondering that this hero is going to come to help and then suddenly you hear he's going to be killed. No, it's not the kind of, you know, Spider-Man, Superman, that kind of heroic story that you hear and you see. But as I said in the um, newsletter for this month, Jesus didn't die a hero. Yes, he was a hero, but that's not the reason. That's not what it was. Some people would think Jesus, you know, died a martyr. He died, yes, for others. But no, that's also not the point. Jesus came as the Savior of the world. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, how were we going to be saved from sin? It was going to be through death. And on Monday, Thursday, the theme was Christ, our Passover, has been what? Sacrificed for us. And we told the story and made the connection between the Passover of the Old Testament in Exodus, how the children of Israel went from Egypt bondage to the freedom of the promised land. That is a promised land. And there is one that is coming, and that one is eternal. So when Jesus came, he came to bring salvation. But that salvation was not going to be cheap. If someone invites you to a, an expensive restaurant to come and have a meal that you're not going to pay for, that doesn't mean that someone didn't pay for that meal. The person paid for the meal. You've just been invited to enjoy it. So Jesus paid the price so that we will enjoy salvation in his name. C.S. Lewis, that we know, a very notable Christian, but also some very, very respected, you know, um, intelligent lecturer and researcher, in the University of Oxford many years ago. He was a conch atheist. You know, when you hear conch, you know, for those who are in the sciences, a concentrated kind of, when we're in secondary school, you look at some acids are very concentrated, so we call it conch. <laughs> so this was a conch atheist. He didn't believe in God. He argued against God. But someday, he was in a bus in Oxford, traveling. And somehow, he saw a vision of himself. And in that vision, he was like a lobster. A lobster, you know, you have, when you go to a restaurant, it's expensive. I actually sometimes wonder, why do I have to pay so much for just some little flesh in this mass of um, crabby, you know, um, armor? <laughs> that big shell of armor of the uh, lobster, he saw himself in it. And then suddenly, the message he was getting in that vision in the bus, God speaks to people anywhere. 
was that he was actually the one that needs to remove all the things that he's used to cage himself in. He needed to break away all of that. And that was the beginning of him discovering who Jesus was. Someone who is also his very, very good follower, um, Alistair McGrath. Both of them are Northern Irish. So Alistair came into Oxford and he met C.S. Lewis. Alistair was a young man in his undergraduate days. He believed that science had all the answers. And so in Oxford, whatever anybody was saying, he just felt, you guys don't understand it. If it can't be explained by science, then there is no answer in religion. So Alistair McGrath, finally, one day, his eyes were open, and he began to hear someone who he respected, a respected atheist, say, but actually... You know, science doesn't have all the answers. And he said, what? I thought science had all the answers. And that is how his own eyes were opened. And he turned to the Lord. Now, when we read in Scripture that Christ is risen, what is this statement about? First of all, it's a statement of fact. It's something that happened. It's something that is in history. And I'll read for you, if you have um, seen the book by Nicky Gumbel, Why Easter, he recorded something I just want to briefly uh, read for us. You know, talking about Jesus and his death. Someone, Cicero, said, he described it as the most cruel and hideous torture Jesus would have been flogged with a whip of several strands of leather weight, uh, weighted with pieces of metal, okay, and bones. And as they whip, they will pull it. And as they pull it, it will rip into his flesh. That is the kind of death Jesus died. Another historian, Eusebius, a third century you know, historian said, the sufferer's veins were laid bare and the very muscles, sinews, and bubbles of the victim were opened, you know, to exposure. And as they whip him and pull it and he ripped through his body, all of that began to pour out blood. That's why by the blood of Christ we are saved. Amen. So it was a fact in history that we cannot run away from. And it is something that is actually there for everyone to see. But some people will prefer to think it was a myth. No, it wasn't a myth. Now, in recent times, a former Lord Chief Justice of England, Lord Darling, said of the resurrection, listen, this is a judge talking in case you don't get it from ordinary people like myself. This is someone who sits over judgment. He said, in its favor as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, 
that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. Wow. It doesn't really matter that any intelligent jury will come to that conclusion that this story was what? True. It happened. It really did happen. So it's a statement of fact. Number two, it's also a statement of defiance. When we say Jesus Christ is risen, when his disciples were pronouncing this, they were saying to the people who crucified him, you wanted to hold him down, as Peter, we read in Acts of the Apostles. He said Jesus was going about doing good, healing, delivering, and right now, God has raised him from the dead. So I say, do what you want. And do you know what? They tried. The Jewish leaders bribed the soldiers. They said, when you go, tell them. His disciples came at night and stole his body. Come on. These are soldiers who were guarding the tomb. And you think that Peter, who was denying Jesus just hours before, will now come and have the you know, temerity to go to the tomb to steal the body of Jesus. But that's what the Jewish leaders wanted to happen. They were bribing their way to change the story. But were they able to do it? No, they failed. Because it didn't matter how much they bribed, the truth was still the truth. And the soldiers were really embarrassed to go and tell the governor that the place they were holding forth, that they don't know how Jesus came out from the tomb. But an angel came, rolled away the stone, and the whole place was quaking, and they were like dead men. And Jesus came out triumphantly. Amen. And that's what Easter is all about. Number three, it was also a statement of prophecy. Jesus, the Bible says, was the first fruit from the dead. And he's saying that time is coming. Those who are dead in Christ will do what? Will rise again. Go and read for yourself 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. It says, those who are dead in Christ, they will do what? They will rise again. All those that we have missed, one day, a day is coming when they will rise from the dead. And we will miss them again. And we will celebrate. That's the joy of Easter. That's to tell you, it is not over yet. Amen. It's a prophetic statement. And finally, it's also a statement of intent. It's not just about prophecy of what is going to happen, but actually what is happening today. That lives are being changed. That lives are being transformed. That you can live a resurrected life. Amen. Today. That when you look at life, you know, Paul will say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when he looks at what life throws at him, he pushes everything out and says, I can, I'm going to get there. And he was moving forward. And so as believers, we are challenged today that the resurrection of Christ has really come to empower us 
to live the life of resurrection today. Amen. To live the life of what? Resurrection today. That your faith is not hanging on a myth. No, 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 no. A lot of, you know, so-called religions are mythical. They're about stories. And nobody knows whether they happened or not. But Jesus came and he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you read a lot of religions, none of them will tell you this is the way. They tell you they will, you know, point you to the way to meet God. Is humanity wanting to access God? No. In Christ, God came down to meet us and elevated us, amen, and gave us, you know, a position in Him. And so on this Easter day, I want us to know that the resurrection of Jesus has come to put new life in us. And if you believe it, you are going to hold on to it. I'm going to end with this powerful poem that I love so much. And that poem says, it's Friday. Amen. I don't know if you've ever heard that poem, but it's a wonderful, wonderful poem by you know, um, an American preacher, Baptist preacher, called Lockridge. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego. Uh, and, you know, he died in the year 2000. But hear what he was saying about the Easter story. Because at Good Friday, they thought that was the end of the story. He says, it's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Pilate is struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe, they robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know. That Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Jesus is walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. His spirit is burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The world is winning. So people are sinning. And evil is greening. But it's Friday. It's Friday. The soldiers nail my Savior's hand to the cross. They nail my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raise him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king 
and the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know it's only Friday. What is coming? Sunday is coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, or has it? Sin has conquered, Satan is just laughing. But it's Friday, Jesus is buried, the soldier stands guard. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is coming. Your Sunday is coming. Can you help me tell somebody next to you, your Sunday is coming? No, no, you didn't say it convincingly. Say, your Sunday is coming. <laughs> oh, yes, your Sunday has come. Your Sunday has come. Amen. My Sunday has come. My deliverance has come. My resurrection has come. It's here. Amen. Because Friday is gone. Sunday has come. And that's why it's Easter. Father, Lord, we want to thank you today. We bless your holy name. Because it's Sunday, Friday is gone, the sorrows are gone, the weeping is gone, it's rejoicing, it's time for testimony, it's time to give you praise, because Lord, the enemy did not know, the Bible says, if only he had known, he would not crucify the Lord of glory. But Lord, thank you for Sunday, because Sunday will always come, Bible says, weeping may enjoy in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Lord, is anyone here who has not made peace with you? We pray that today will be the day when they make up their mind finally to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come and dwell in me. May today be that day when they decide my Friday is gone. Now is the Sunday of resurrection from the bondage of sin, from the tyranny of the devil and the world. Lord, help us. To embrace the joy, the peace, the deliverance of Sunday. May your name be exalted, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let the people of God say, Amen.